I don't know about you, but I keep thinking about that fatality from Mortal Kombat with the spinning hat thing. I don't know if that's popped into uh-huh. your head today at all, but it keeps popping in my head. I'm, I think I'm traumatized. Let me say this delicately. I haven't thought about the Mortal Kombat movie for one second since the <laughs> moment it ended. <laughs> Welcome to episode 395 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how are you doing? You always catch me off guard with this. I guess I'm good, you know? It's okay. just a normal Monday recording late. We got a packed episode. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Before we do, huge shout outs to Around. Around is software made for better video calls. It is a product that is designed to help you collaborate and not just stare at faces in a meeting. We're using Around right now, and this is the default now for Mm -hmm. me. Every time we record design details, pop open Around. I love that the little faces float on top and the camera tracks my face and keeps me perfectly centered and just makes it way easier to focus on the work happening on the screen and not having to switch back and forth between apps. So if you want to check out Around and upgrade your collaboration, go to around.co. Thank you so much, Around. Thanks, Around. We also have some new very important pixels this week. Huge shout-outs to Look I Am, Charlie, Blake Lamb, and DG. Nice. Hey, thank you so much, everybody, for supporting the show. In case you didn't know, Design Details is a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you help make the show possible every single week. Right now, 567 people have rallied together to uh, support the show. And those 567 people every week get access to a supporter-only bonus segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. The Sidebar is essentially an extra episode. We will address another listener question. We'll, we'll add another topic to the mix. So, for example, today in the main episode, we're talking all about Config 2021 and all the new features in Figma. But for all our Patreon supporters, we're going to dig into the Apple event, the spring-loaded event, and talk about our reactions to the iMac, iPad Pro, AirTags, Apple TV, and more. So if you want to get that bonus content, consider supporting us. We're at patreon.com slash design details, and you can support us starting at just $1 per month. Just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for supporting the show so far. All 567 of you lovely very important pixels. So important. And uh, once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. Thanks, everybody. Well, with that, Marshall, main topic time. Let's get into it. All right. So at this point, here's here's my my big shtick, okay? Okay. We record our podcast on a Monday, mm-hmm. which means that we're always a few days late to event recaps. Yeah. Which on the one hand is bad because we don't get that like, you know, hot news, hot off the press right. kind of check out this new new. Mm-hmm. I would say the good thing is we've had a few more days to think about things. Yeah, digest. And, you know, this is always like what YouTubers do. They'll do like a first impressions and then a few weeks later they'll do like a full review. Right. I feel like we're a little bit closer to the full recap or like <laughs> having had time to digest the events. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's good. Yeah, we don't we don't get they're lukewarm takes, I guess. The an opportunity to have a, a more level-headed take on it, I think, Brian. I hope so. We'll see. All right. Well, let's <laughs> dig in. Let's dig in. Cool. So, Figma, 
I kind of want to start at the meta here. I feel like the Figma conference, config, FigCon, mm-hmm. the naming here is troublesome. Uh, <laughs> config is starting to rival my Twitter stream dominance more so than Apple events. Mm, mm-hmm. In this case, Apple last week was last Tuesday. Figma right. was last Wednesday. Right. And obviously we're in design circles, but we're also in tech circles. And I think the design circle won out. Like <laughs> last Wednesday, people were going nuts over all the announcements at Figma. How'd you feel? Um, I don't check Twitter all that often, so I didn't uh-huh. I didn't see that same thing, but well, I'll report this to you. The the buzz was buzzing. Okay. Um, People are really excited. Uh, so maybe we should start with like the big announcement, the biggest one. Yeah, Figmage. Figmage. Yeah, Figma's going multi-product. This is kind of like a big step for any startup, right? Like they have the the one core product. They've grown it, scaled it, product market fit. It's selling like hotcakes. And then they introduce a second product. And that second product is called FigJam. Mm-hmm. And it is a tool for collaborative whiteboarding on your screen how would you describe it what's your what's your one sentence sales pitch for this yeah i mean i don't know about a sales pitch or one sentence thing but like i feel like that's the entry level pitch for it but i've having looked at it it seems like it's capable of a lot more yeah but but the easy sell is you can throw this at your pms and eng and everybody can get in this room and nobody will be scared by the tool you'll just be able to collaborate easily right yeah. I mean, honestly, this thing feels like it should be an iPad app. Just the way the interface is mm. designed and you have this like palette that floats at the bottom of your screen with access to like chunky skeuomorphic tools, right? Like you mm-hmm. have the marker, you have post-its, you have text yep. and arrows. It's very chunky and it feels ripe for touch interfaces. In fact, when I first saw this, my gut reaction was, please, will there be iPad and pencil support? Which there isn't yet. No, but yeah, um, I think you're. I think you're right. The all of the tap targets are very large, so yeah, it would make sense for it to be a tablet app eventually. It's really interesting to see the the actual like visual design of this product because yeah. I feel like the fact that you have this chunky floating toolbar says so much about how they want you to use the tool, right? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine a slightly more condensed. I don't know, like toolbar with text and icons and like it fits in a smaller space or trying to preserve room for the canvas well that tells you a different thing or it informs a different way of using it than this huge floating it's saying like hey big and chunky is fine mm-hmm. right so okay overall i've found fig jam to be delightful in its simplicity like some of the greatest features i think are, are quite clever mm-hmm. things like cursor chat like being able to Perfect. apply a message on the cursor as you're moving around. How many conversations have you had in text fields on the canvas, Brian? Every time. Uh, like yeah. anytime I jump into a file and another designer's there, we plop a text layer down and just start chatting and like yep. duplicating the text layer and moving it around. And you have this like random ass conversation spread out. Yeah, we even do like if I jump into a file and somebody else is there and I see him running around, like I'll wave my cursor like in a rainbow yeah, yeah, yeah. arc thing back and forth uh-huh. to like say hi and then they'll they'll wave Jiggle, back. Jiggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. But but this actually gives a lot more things like high-fiving after you've done something is a really fu- there's like some fun shit in here, right? The there's like that messenger inspired 
growing stamp. Like the longer you press it down, the more it bumps up mm-hmm. to new sizes. That's really clever and a really nice use of simple UI. Just like hold it, press it longer and it gets bigger. The problem, yeah, it's so it's a great feature. I wonder how discoverable it is. So the stamps, I'm noticing this with like uh, messages, right? Like you can long press on a message mm-hmm. to expose the reactions and the reply button. Tap back, yeah. But long press on macOS is a really weird interaction. Long click, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long click long is different click. from long press, yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel correct for the platform. So I, to me, this screams like they're leaning in towards what will eventually be touch support on the iPad. Mm. But in the short term, sure. Long click, you get this like popping, expanding, growing stamp. And it's pretty fun, like the way it vibrates. But when you watch it vibrate, you're like, ah, this was kind of designed with like a haptic in mind, right? Like this <laughs> needs a haptic to feel yeah. complete. It feels quite, sh- I'm la- lacking the vocabulary here, like shallow or like too digital, you know? D- did you notice how um, there's a slight rotation offset? Yeah. Really nice touch. Yeah. And another touch I love was the post-it notes Mm -hmm. are attributed. Like it includes your name Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. each one in like a nice accent color, which is great because this is the same problem that we had like previously, you know, like you're joining another designer in a file and you like type back and forth with text layers. Well, we also have like... Or comments that get hidden unless you hit the C key or like go into comments mode. But it's interesting to see this is the first attributed element to land on the canvas as far as i know right like everything else in figma it's multiplayer out of the box it's been Mm -hmm. multiplayer forever but there's never any way to identify who did what it's invisible in the undo history but yeah never never visible i've been i've ever been in a file where somebody else is in there and you're both doing stuff and somebody messes something up and you're like undo and it doesn't undo the stuff you did. It just undoes the well, stuff yeah, the other yeah, person yeah. did. Yeah, they're already separate. So it knows who did what. It just doesn't show it anywhere yet until yeah. now. Until now, which is cool. Like it for me, this actually exposed how much room there is to improve commenting. Yeah. In fact, I would almost argue that these features, they're great. They're brilliant. I think you need them in a tool like this. Yes, and. Yes, and. There should just be chat. Like commenting being hidden by default is weird. The the cursor chat is great because you can be in different parts of a canvas at different points in time. And like you might be you might add a message as you're hovering over something. Mm-hmm. But it still seems like you want a more persistent way to attribute conversation or notes back to each other outside of the canvas at least i could i could squint and imagine that i mean that's comments uh, now it's like an asynchronous chat right yeah but the problem is they're hidden and i've, I've always yeah. found like the comment interaction to be so hidden that it's it's not quite as productive as i don't know just hopping on a zoom call or like leaving comments on a github issue like i don't i almost don't trust comments to be the best place to leave a decision it just feels like easily lost or easily closed and like no way to sort of recall or retrieve the decision making process. Whereas like a document or a Slack thread or or a GitHub issue feels like a more persistent area for that conversation to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of on that point, I I think I'll probably use this 
for more planning and like, especially for, for workshops or sprints, doing large group work of trying to make a decision amongst a bunch of people. Voting seems to be a lot easier in this kind of environment and setting things up with those automated flowcharts and everything. This is what I was trying to get at earlier is like, maybe this is being marketed as like the easy gateway drug into Figma, but like I see a ton of utility here for harder core users, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like the way I think this has been framed is Figma, if you envision I don't, like a three-step process, right? There's like ideation and exploration. Mm-hmm. And then there's like design and implementation. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the developer execution part. Mm-hmm. I think this whole event was about that ideation and exploration phase. And so Fig Jam is the perfect place. Like, give me chunky things. I don't want it to be hi-fi. We're exploring ideas, making like product direction level decisions and not necessarily arguing about like the stroke on a button, in which case we need higher fidelity tools. So you convert over to a Figma file for that like middle step, right? Is that an option? Can you convert a Fig Jam into a Figma? I don't think so, but this, okay, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because this is kind of like the lingering question for me is the two file types are interoperable to a degree, right? Like you can drop in Figma components into FigJam, but I don't know if everything can go backwards. Yeah. It's one of those things too, where if you have the keyboard shortcuts memorized, you can actually make better use of FigJam. So for example, there's no layers panel in FigJam. Mm Mm-hmm. But you still have the ability to send objects forward and backwards as though they're layers. So if you know the keyboard shortcut, you can do it. Or you can go up to the menu and do like object, send to front, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's like a lot of interoperability here, but it's not clear which parts and like what you can preserve or like what the artifact could be from a fig jam that could move into a figma. 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 What do you think about the name fig jam? I think it's good. I mean, uh, you know, makes me crave some toast. Okay. Um, Big fan of the of the Newton variety, so mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for that product. To, maybe they're gonna make a, a touch tablet called Fig Newton. <laughs> yeah, code code name Newton. That's got to be a code name internally, right? It has to be. It has to be for yeah. every every project. Yeah, um, the name's fine. They they own the whole Fig thing, so Config Figma Fig Jam. Mm-hmm. Keep it up. You mentioned Zoom earlier, and I don't think we've talked about audio. Oh, no. Yeah, let, let's move on. So we can talk about audio rooms. That was the second. Like I would say this one is the most exciting feature launch that they announced. The three things that I'm most excited about are the three things that haven't come yet, which is branching, which we can talk about, audio, and the mobile app. So yep. all the stuff that came out so far is like, oh, this is cool. It's nice. I haven't played around with the Fig Jam any, but I watch the keynote and I, I know what is there. So I'll get around to that here in the next week. But yeah, I'm, I'm just stoked about being able to talk in Figma without having to like set up a meet on the side or do a text chat and be going back and forth between a text thing or typing in a field. That'll be nice for shorter things. I don't know about running an entire meeting. What do you think about that? No, I don't think this is for meetings. I think this is for here. I'll tell you some of the most enjoyable times I've had designing in the past year during COVID while everyone's remote, everyone has Zoom fatigue. I just ask someone to hop on a phone call or we'll do Zoom with video off Mm -hmm. and we just background that and we just have like, we're not even necessarily collaborating. We just have the mic on. Mm -hmm. We can talk and look at each other's work. Be like, oh, that's cool. Can I borrow that? Oh, that's nice. Ooh, that's fun. So chill. And 
it really truly was like the closest I felt to just sitting next to someone and like peeking over at their laptop and just like being able to have a conversation in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so I don't envision this being used for meetings. Like, hey, let's all hop in to the audio chat and like talk about this thing. I think it will be more spontaneous. Yeah. That same experience where you hop into a file, you see someone's cursor, you wave yours around, Mm -hmm. you start a text layer and like say, hey, what's up? I think that will be replaced with like one person jumps into audio, the other person's like, oh, they jumped in, I'll jump in. Hey, what's up? What you working on? Cool. All right, back to it. See ya. And then just hop out. Like it'll be super fast. Maybe get a quick bit of feedback. I don't know. That's that's how I'm picturing this being most useful in my head. Mm-hmm. Just cutting out that friction of, uh, can you send me a Zoom link? Okay, should we have video on or off? Okay, yep. I got a command tab back and forth. All right. Are they going to have cursor chat in Figma? I don't think so. They got to. They got to port that over. It. So yeah, my, <laughs> my future ideal that I can imagine is see somebody put my cursor over by where there is, type, hey, want to chat real quick, hop onto the thing, they hop in, we chat for a second. Yeah, I don't want to touch another app. I just want to do it all in there. I don't want to create a new layer to tell them or whatever. I don't want to leave a comment. I don't want to, yeah, it should just be smooth. This, to me, I could be dead wrong about this, but I don't know if you've been following the Clubhouse story, Marshall, but this startup is now valued at $4 billion. Yeah. They've kind of fallen off like the mainstream a little bit like i think they're the hype cycle they went through their first wave now they're Mm -hmm. back to building mode but to me what figma's done here is proven that real-time sort of ephemeral audio experiences are more of a feature and less of a product because you can squint and you just any product where you ever see other avatars with presence at the same time they have to add this right Dropbox paper, Quip, like any collaborative editing experience. It's just going to be, okay, well, there was avatars there before and now you can like plop over and there's avatars in an audio space. And I think that's the future of all of these like presence-driven products where audio is just a feature, but it's not a standalone product. I could be wrong. Maybe Clubhouse can power that in some way or Clubhouse is going to do something just totally external like obviously they're investing in creator payments and stuff but yeah i i feel like figma is just slightly ahead of every other collaboration product with this agree uh how about that new mobile app huh yeah i'm in the test flight oh nice i can tell you some things cool actually i mean i didn't sign an nda or anything and they showed everything uh it was about time here my biggest problem with the mobile app leading up until now. And I've reported this. I I don't think I'm talking smack or anything, but it was just really unreliable with syncing. Oh, Lots of performance issues, really hard to get anything to go over 30 frames a second. Uh, There was all sorts of bugs with like unlinking and creating components. Like sometimes they would just stop syncing and you'd have to hard restart the app. I don't know if you had this experience. I felt like in the previous version, I was hard restarting the app every five minutes. Even just uh, mirroring mocks was like changes wouldn't always translate immediately, or images would get lost. You just have to force kill the app and restart it, and then it'd work. But that doesn't feel good. I, th- I think yeah. they knew it too. They kind of addressed it in the keynote. They're like, you yeah. know, reliability hasn't always been the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, and th- so that, and then the second part, like, I mean, there's some performance issues. Like, my phone would always get like lava hot to the touch. Oh. So, anyways, yeah, new mobile app. I think for me, like, if they can. F- fix all of that it's too early for me to say if it's like fixed all the reliability problems but yeah 
make reliability great, mirroring great, give me some better performance on prototyping, ideally, like do less work over the air. I don't know how it works, but if it's doing anything over the air, hopefully all of that starts to move on device. Mm-hmm. Speaking of on device, like even just the ability to view prototypes away from my computer is awesome. Yeah. Like no more, you know, ah, shit, I'm not near my computer to open Figma and select the frame. Or you like accidentally force quit the app and you like can no longer open it. That was always so frustrating. So they fixed that. Yeah. It looks awesome, man. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see them build up a little bit of a mobile muscle here. They're doing something interesting, like in terms of navigation, like the way you sort of flip through prototypes is kind of like a it's like a cover flowy kind of interaction mm-hmm. remember cover flow oh do i yep so it's kind of like that but they're using like a interesting mix of stock elements from the os but also custom elements from their design system mm-hmm. it's it's landing in that like uncanny middle mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like they're very disparate if i squint like i can tell that this is figma but they're using enough system components that it just feels like it's not quite to iOS spec, right? I don't have the Android beta. Um, And I feel like maybe that's part of the problem here is they're threading like a multi-platform design at the same time and like maybe figuring out how to lean into each platform's visual patterns or interaction patterns. And right now it just feels sort of stuck in the middle of like trying to be all things at once on all platforms, including their own brand style and content layout and like, having the browse view look like your sidebar on the Figma desktop app, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just happy to be able to check a file, maybe not edit it, obviously, but like, I wonder if comments will be on there eventually. Like, If I can check a comment on my phone without having to go to my computer to, to see what somebody said on something. Yeah, get a push notification about a comment, tap it, it opens the app, goes to the, f- the, to the node where the comment was left. Right. You can open the comments as like a sheet, mm-hmm. type a quick reply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zoom in, see exactly what they're talking about. That would be awesome. I would use that all the time. Yeah. So good stuff happening there. Okay. Do you want to talk about branching? Yeah. I think this is the last thing. Yeah. Branching. Boy, oh boy, Brian. Do you uh, run your own design system there at GitHub? This, this feature is not for me yet. As far as I can tell, this seems right up the alley of every design systems designer. So tell <laughs> yeah. me how uh, the feature strikes you. I mean, it feels exactly the way I would expect it, right? Like create a copy of this thing, change whatever I want to change. When I merge it back in, only the changes that were made on my end get merged back in. You can play around on the side and, and without breaking anything. Uh, I would have used this a hundred times already. Just generally, I think it's awesome. I'm kind of curious how you think about it as as a man who works at at the hub of Gits. If it is similar to how you would expect it to work from a code side, or how you think of it from that standpoint, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to see how they've solved some of like. Anytime you talk about branching, you immediately have to think about merge conflicts, right? Like we both check out a version and change two separate properties of the same node. What happens? How do we resolve those conflicts? And as far as I can tell, they've done it in a pretty good way. So you like go change by change and it'll show you the before and after. But it's, I mean... Like anything, you know, it can get really complicated with yeah. lots of people and lots of branches. Yeah. And like, yeah, sure, merging a, a Git conflict is straightforward when it's one file and one line. And it's like, oh, yeah, this was the correct line. Mm-hmm. But when you have one branch where you changed 30 things 
on two different pages and then another person changed a different 30 things on two different pages and those get mer- like you could end up in some really crazy states. Yeah, and who's so- to say like I-, I could make a change on my branch and you could make a different change to the exact same elements on your branch and then is it just who merges first or who merges last the the thing goes or is it like a local timestamp or yeah is it well, based on who's admin and who's an owner you know well they also have the same concept of rebasing right so like if you were to go in and make a bunch of changes and then you merge those back into the main file well on my side on my branch it'll prompt me and say like hey new changes have been made in the main file do you want to pull those new changes into your branch so there will be ways to do that kind of stuff. But yeah, at each step along the way, like I think they have a visual diff view and you can mm. either choose to see them side by side or you can do like an onion peel where you like you, you overlay the nodes and just change the opacity so you can like try and spot, I don't know, size differences or color differences or things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. But I wonder if they'll ever, ever let you like dig into the properties like there can be hidden properties or like plug-in data associated with nodes. Like there's other kinds of things that might not necessarily be visual changes now that there is like deep API integration around individual file and like prototyping changes. How do like you branch it and you change a bunch of prototyping noodles? Like (laughs) how do you diff that? Right. Yeah. I'm sure they thought Um, about all this. Otherwise they wouldn't be releasing it. But I also realized that, this is probably draft one of the thing, or not draft one, but like version one of the thing. And well, I'm curious to see how any future versions will affect the way we work in version one. Because, I mean, look at auto layout, right? Auto layout has completely changed from what we've known before. And the way I lay things out, the way I build things is entirely different than the way I did it before. The way variance works has changed the way I build components. And the way I did it before is now actually a bad way to do it <laughs> you know yeah, so yeah. is the next thing going to ruin not ruin but like have to have all these retroactive changes in order for it to fit well into the new system i'm curious how much effect this will have i'll i don't know if i'll be able to find this specific tweet but you know to your point like yeah this is v1 but i saw a tweet i believe it was from rasmus who was very early design at figma and he said that they've been thinking about this since before he joined and he joined, I think, five years ago. So this is a long, okay. long time coming. Good. Also, there's and, precedent from the code side that they can look to. And, oh, yeah, 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 of course. But I'm kind of glad they waited this long, right? Oh, yeah. Like, we, no. got pat, we pushed through plug-in APIs. We pushed through a ton of, like, multiplayer stuff. We pushed through all the auto layout and variants. Like, we pushed through some of those harder, like underlying infrastructural parts of like how the canvas should work and how components work. Now we do the diff. Yeah, like I don't know if that was just a lot of patience or they just kept pushing back the the technically hardest thing over and over again until they couldn't any longer. But uh, at some point, we should try and get the the full story out of this. I think it's yeah. fascinating. I am of the mind in both this and basically everything else, including video games, like wait and I will, I'm happy to wait until it's ready. I would much rather have a great game or a great feature two months from now than a less than great feature or less than great game right now. You only get that first impression one time. So yeah, make it good. I wonder if also, okay, maybe parting thoughts. I'm just so happy that almost all of the announcements at Figma at config ship the same day like you could play with fig jam immediately after the keynote and so people were jumping in and trying things 
And it reminded me a little bit about how far we've come on the Apple side, which mm. we're going to talk about here shortly in the sidebar. Uh-huh. Am I just having a horrible memory or did we used to live in a world where there were Apple events and pre-orders on the same day? And I can't think of maybe a single thing in years that's been available same day. They've kind of moved to more of a, we announce it today. It's available to pre-order in a week from in today. A week or two. So, so that the the hype gets out there and it's able to stew for a week. But not too long that everybody forgets about it, but not too short that like, it burns out or, or we're overwhelmed. So give it a week and then it ships a month later or a week later or whatever it happens to be. But that seems like the model. But it used to be, yeah, we'd see the word today. That was like the applause line all the time back in the jobs days. Yeah. I I guess the cynical part of me is they're doing some some kind of analysis to like figure out what the manufacturing capacity should be for each new thing. Especially as I look at like, we'll get into it, but like they're they're creating so many new skews for individual products it's like they can't have just pre-made a bunch of these mm-hmm, <laughs> they've mm-hmm. got to figure out how much to make uh hopefully that will uh whets your appetite for the apple chat if uh you're into it buck a month 25 cents for this one sidebar yeah yeah give us a quarter just a quarter <laughs> uh patreon.com slash design details cool okay good stuff figma congrats on on a good conference yeah uh, we will have more time, obviously, in the coming weeks to use each of these features individually, and uh, maybe we can do a follow-up as we discover new things or or come across the things that we wish were better, and we can talk about those in the future. Indeed. All right, cool things? Let us cool the things, Brian. You want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I think it's your turn. Okay, so first off, a little bit of a uh, cool thing follow-up. So last week I recommended Olivia Rodrigo thinking that her album was going to be coming out on April 21st. I was wrong. It's coming out on May 21st. So got another month until that one comes out, but still, hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully it's a good recommendation. Just a little bit of follow-up. All right, so my real cool thing this week is magnetic Charging cables. Brian, I don't know if you've delved into this realm before, but uh, do you use wireless charging to charge your devices or do you plug into cables? How do you how do you charge your shit? I'm plugging in like a freaking <laughs> slob, man. Well, I have good news for you. So okay. there's a bunch of different options out there and I haven't really found the right one yet. I'm, I'm using these magnetic charger things, which are basically a charger cable that instead of having a plug on the end of it, it just has a magnet and you plug a thing into your device that is just the end of that cable and then they snap together and start charging that way. Uh, The ones that I'm using right now are just power, so they don't do any data. Luckily, I'm not trying to do any data. It's just like charging my phone at night and stuff. But the only thing you have to do is keep this little bit plugged into the port on the bottom of your phone, which is kind of nice because it doesn't get junk in there or whatever. It just keeps it, it's like a little plug for it. At the same time, you can use these, pop them off to to whatever charger you want to. So like I have an iPad that needs a USB-C plug in it, but I have my phone that needs a lightning and then I have other stuff that's like micro USB. It doesn't matter what's in there. I can charge them at any cable that I'm at throughout the house because the port doesn't matter. It all just goes together with the magnetic thing, right? Very convenient, especially if you go back and forth between like Qi charging with like a MagSafe or, you know, a, a pad or whatever you have. So you can still use both at the same time, but instead of having to actually manually like plug the thing in and oh, I hope I got it in the right way, I guess that isn't a problem with Lightning and uh, USB-C, but 
micro USB fucking sucks every time. It's like every USB time. horribly designed port, horribly yeah. designed. Asymmetrical ports should never have existed, but they do. And the nice thing about this is they kind of don't anymore because you just plug it in the one time, get it the right way, and then it just snaps. They have L shaped snaps or just straight ahead plugs so you can plug it in at an angle which is sometimes very great for like headphone charging or if like i have my phone on my desk in front of me and the wire coming across and it just points up and i just put my phone down and snaps together it's Uh fucking amazing and it charges faster than the normal chi charging too so i don't know that was my cool thing this week i've been using them around the house it's been a nice uh kind of like unification of my charging cables. Awesome. Yeah, I need to investigate. Maybe I'll do this. I've also, I don't know, maybe I'm just a grump at this point about accessories, but I haven't bought any MagSafe pads. What do you call them? Magnets? For the iPhone 12s, 12, 12 line where the, the MagSafe was reintroduced. And it's I've as I've gotten further along, I just feel less and less compelled to spend like, hundreds of dollars when I can just plug in the thing. I don't know. I get why it's convenient, but it's just like, I'll just plug it in. <laughs> Although I will say I'm, I'm out of ports. So like I'm, I'm at this point I'm juggling devices cause I have test devices. Mm. So I have to juggle iPad, iPhone one, iPhone two, Android phone, AirPods watch. I just don't have enough ports for all that. So I have to swap shit out all the time. And that's where this would be more useful, I suppose. But Again, it's just like, just plug it in. <laughs> yeah. And they're inexpensive. A, a lightning cable costs like 30 fucking dollars or something like that. I oh, got yeah, it's a huge four scam. of these, like a four pack for 25 different cable lengths, a bunch of different plug types for micro, C, and lightning. And the end of the cable glows blue. So at night, when the TV's the only light in the room, you can see the little blue glow Or on the nightstand. When I go to plug my phone in at night, it's the blue fucking light that's there. I can grab it. It's not so bright that it bothers me while I'm sleeping, but it's easy to see in the dark. So lots of, lots of good selling points on these things. But I'll, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes for the ones that I got. They're not the best, and there's a bunch of different options out there, including ones that do data. But this is what I have. Awesome. Top K, I think, is the brand. Top Anyways, K, yeah. what's your cool thing, Brian? Yeah, my cool thing. So, Marshall, let's just say I gained the COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that, does that make sense to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You put on the COVID-19. It's like the freshman 15. Yeah, yeah. I'm out of shape. <laughs> I, actually, I don't think I gained 19 pounds. It's it's rather that what ni- the 19 pounds of muscle I had has slowly transformed into 19 pounds of not muscle. So I'm, I'm net neutral on weight net negative on overall strength and gotcha, gotcha. ability to like be a physical human being, which is not ideal. So just slowly ramping back up into what I used to have as like a pretty good workout routine. But one thing that's been cool, which I, I hadn't used because I just haven't run in forever, is the Nike Run Club application. Yeah. Now I've used, like Nike has had variations of running trackers for mm-hmm. years, they, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember maybe five years ago, they had like the wristband and the thing that you could put into your shoe. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they had all sorts of Nike trackers. Plus. Yes, Nike Plus. Thank you. I forgot about the name. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if this is the latest thing, but I, I suppose the thing that I landed on that has been kind of cool is called Nike Run Club. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it is they have guided runs. And so they have like these people that will just talk to you. And I've done a few guided runs. For the most part, it's just kind of pleasant. I thought when I heard guided run, 
I was immediately turned off. I'm like, I don't want that. When I go for a run, I just want a clear head and like listen to music, listen to podcasts, do my own thing. But I tried it and I was pleasantly surprised. There was something very nice about having a human being just talking to you, but not like a podcast, but rather like, hey, you're at the halfway point or like, how you feeling? You know? And of course, it's like kind of cheesy. It's a little, right. it's all scripted and pre recorded. Yeah. But psychologically, I found it to be, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. Um, so I've done a few guided runs and just like slowly ramped back up. But the other thing that I would call out about the app is it's a nice app. Like visually, yeah. interaction design is pretty good. They have a nice integration with Apple Music and Spotify. And with Watch too, right? Uh, yeah, I think it all connects to the Watch. Like it's really cool to see how Nike is so caught up. Like they're so modern mm-hmm. with their digital experiences right Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. on the cutting edge like they're doing interesting interaction work interesting visual work great api integrations across the board with with all the hardware music services like it is really nice so this feels like the most polished version of of something that i used long ago and it's been kind of cool to to revisit have they redesigned the UI at all? I remember, I haven't run in like a year, but I'm wondering if they've updated it. But I mean, they have such a clear design style, right? Like it's it's very clearly Nike. Very clearly Nike, yeah. yeah I, I'm nice. so jealous of their design system. It's just all black and white. I'm like, oh, yeah, with like that's vault. all I want. <laughs> yeah. Black and white, and then the color that they do use is always stands out in the perfect way. They they also thread this needle of like feeling like the platform for which it's designed, but also feeling like Nike. They've threaded that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice, nice looking app. So whoever works on this, good job if you're listening. Cool thing, Brian. All right, let's get everyone out of here. If you are a Patreon supporter, be sure to switch over to the sidebar. We're going to talk all about Apple's spring-loaded event. Otherwise, this has been episode 395. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. We love feedback. We love making sure that this podcast is fun and enjoyable every week. So please don't hesitate to tweet us with suggestions. If you have a question or a topic you'd like us to, to discuss in a future episode, be sure to open an issue on our GitHub, github.com slash design details slash design details. And of course, links in the show notes for everything we've talked about today. And just as a final reminder, we are a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you make it possible for us to record every single week. If you want to help make the show possible, as well as get access to bonus segments every single week, essentially a bonus episode, be sure to go to patreon.com slash design details and consider supporting us for just a dollar a month. So thank you everyone who supported us this week. Thank you everyone who's uh, checking out the show and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.